0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, it's good to hear you guys visiting. So good to see you in church today. I love the fall time. It's my favorite time of year. Do I have any witnesses to that? Anybody view me, your brothers and sisters? I love the fall, especially when I lived in the countryside. Uh, the colors up on Blue Mountain, when I especially lived there, it was beautiful. And everybody would start their wood stoves and wood fireplaces and the smell and the air was just so beautiful. But winter's coming. That's, it's kind of teases you, right? This is great, but winter's coming. I noticed that a lot of commercials now are starting to show snow and saying, stop, stop, stop. Let's just continue to live it this fall. Well, I, you know, I had a, I had a crazy conversation with someone just before the service started today. Crazy. I was telling them that a fellow I watch on uh, YouTube, his name's Titus. He's a young man, 31 years old. He lives a very simple life. In fact, he has adopted the Amish way of living, though he's not Amish. He's very simple, uh, doesn't have electricity, but he loves the Lord. And he loves, he talks about Jesus and people around the world are being, uh, just grabbing onto the message that he shares and his boldness and willingness. In fact, this week, the video, I was watching him hitchhiking to Nashville, which was like, three hours away from where he lives in another state because he felt God was saying, I want you to go there and just witness to people. So he did that in just like a street ministry, preaching. And I was telling this crazy person in our church that one thing about Titus, he goes barefoot in the summer. Uh, barefoot on the, on the highways and stores and the forests. And uh, this crazy person said, well, if you would preach barefoot today, I'd give you 50 bucks. Who would be crazy enough in our church to make that kind of offer? Who comes to mind? Yeah, Pete. So since my grandmother's dead, (laughs) I'm going to do it for $50. If he comes true to his word. And the camera probably doesn't go down to the feet. Oh, you're the crazy person. Okay. Um, once it's done, I'll pay you after. No, 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 no. That wasn't the deal. Okay. You took out 50 bucks. I'll give you 50 bucks. Okay. I'm going to entrust Frank that when it's done, he can pay you. No, 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 no. I went, okay. <laughs> Preacher, brother. Okay. Oh, my grandmother would be so upset right now. Uh, well, do you recognize the banner behind us? That's because four years ago, almost to the day, we did this series on Abide. And out of that series came some really, uh, I feel like growth in our church, in my life. And some of you said the same thing out of these words of Jesus. We know that uh, there's life groups that came out of Abide that's still running today with that theme. We know that when it came to um naming our children's Sunday school ministry. You just saw it run out. We called it Divine Kids after what Jesus says in that passage. When it came to giving a name to our newly renovated cafe, we called it uh, the Abide Cafe, the new fellowship room. We called it the Abide Cafe. So this series has had influence. I know in my life, I know Jesus' words has influenced our church. And when my I, I preached this back in September of 2019, the series. And my son in law, Russell, who's also a pastor, has asked, could, I, could you give me your sermon notes? And he went and preached it in his church as well. And then, more than that, this past summer, he was the guest speaker at a family camp, Christian family camp, and he used those, the Bide series, as his, uh, his, his series for the week. And you know what he did? He took what I gave him and made it better. The nerve of young people nowadays. <laughs> And he hit it out of the park. And I was praying this summer, like, God, I just feel like this is a very important time this fall for our church. What would you want us to focus on, Lord? I just want to listen to you and listen to you. And, and when I was hearing Russell preach this at family camp, God said, I want you to do that series again. I want you to preach the Abide series again. And a lot of us weren't here four years ago, so it'll be new. And those of us who were here, it'll be good for us to remember and be refreshed by the words of Jesus who says, I'm divine. You are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Unconscious selective attention is where your mind will not let you see something that is right there in front of you. It's right there, but your brain has conditioned you and tells you to ignore it. And I don't have to show you a video this morning for you to see how this works, because all of us, even right now, are experiencing unconscious, selective attention. It's as plain as a nose in your face. Or I would say it's not as plain as a nose in your face. Have you, have you ever noticed you don't see your nose? It's always right there. It's right in front. It's in your line of vision even. We think, well, maybe it's because that's not my line of vision, but really it is in your line of vision, but you don't see it. Now, how many people went cross-eyed? <laughs> you should be able to see your nose, but you don't because your brain has come to the conclusion you don't need to see it. The fact is, as you mature, you're, you become conditioned to ignore your nose. That's why when sometimes you see a baby who hasn't had that, those years of maturity that you'll see them suddenly fixate on their nose. you see them go cross-eyed and they're staring at this thing right in front of them because they see it. And in case you're not convinced that unconscious selective attention is a real thing, I'm going to get you to do another test for me. Take your finger, touch the edge of your nose. Somebody walks in church right now, they're really going to be curious about this, place. Even wiggle your finger, but look at your finger. You can see all of your finger, but you don't see your nose. And what's really bizarre, this is, God takes that further. This is what gets me. Put your finger under your nose and look at it. Wiggle it. Move it back. You can see all of your finger, but you don't see your nose. You might see a reflection or a little bit, but you don't see your nose. Even though your nose is blocking your vision of the finger, you you see your whole finger. That's because your brain's filtering out your nose. Your brain has conditioned you not to see the very thing that is right there in front of your eyes. Let me say this again. Your brain has conditioned you not to see the very thing that is right in front of you. I'm telling you this in a Sunday sermon in church today because it's possible, and it has happened, It does happen that we become so conditioned by the world we live in and the God of this world, who is Satan, the Bible says, that we miss out on the spiritual truths which are right there in front of us. Like the spiritual truths are right there to take hold, to apply to our life, but we miss them. The God of this world, the, the enemy of your soul, will try to blind you from seeing and knowing something that's right there and exists. And you're not nose blind, but you become spiritually blind. It's possible and it happens that we're so conditioned by the lies of the enemy. Our minds become so conditioned by the philosophies of this broken world. We miss out on what Jesus wants us to see and know when it's right there, right there. And blinded spiritual eyes, of course, lead to a hardening spiritual heart. Listen to what Jesus says. This is why we we use the Bible, because none of us have the authority to talk apart from the word of God. And God himself, Jesus himself, quoting from the book of Isaiah, says this. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their hearts cannot hear, their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And we need to be healed by Jesus. We need this healing that Jesus offers us. I'm not just talking about physical healing. He does that. But the main purpose was not to come to uh, heal us physically, but to heal us spiritually. That's because each one of us have sin, which has separated us from God. And what sin allows is that we live our life today and forever apart from God. And if sin remains in me, I will not know God today and the abundant life he would want to give. And I will certainly not know him in eternity, which I so much want to know and experience. And for most of us, we've heard this message over and over and over again, numerous times. And yet we would say nothing has really changed in my life. We've been conditioned to ignore the words of God. Why? Because, well, after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60, 70, 80, shall I go on? Of the world and your enemy conditioning your mind to ignore the truth, you don't see it. You can hear it, but you ignore it. You believe lies of the enemy. It's kind of like when Satan challenged Eve in the garden. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? He like, said, did God really say that? And he starts creating doubt. You began to doubt the teaching of the Lord. And this is why Jesus called Satan the father of lies and the murderer. He wants to take you down. Jesus says this about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus is not speaking about some mythological character. He isn't speaking in metaphorical terms. He's speaking about one who exists, one who really tempted him in the wilderness. One he said, get behind me, Satan. He's talking about a real person who is a murderer, a liar, and wants you not to know the truth. He hates the truth. And Jesus says, the truth about God and and sin and the forgiveness, that will set you free. Some of us might be honest with ourselves and say and admit, man, I don't feel free today. Because I'm not living the spiritual truth of Jesus in my life. There is sin, there is apathy, there is blindness to what is real and true, and if this doesn't change, I fear I'm going to miss out all that God has for me. It's been, you know, I think the greatest regret is to come to the end of your life and realize it was right there. And worse for some of us, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it, and I did nothing and it didn't and now. Because so I believe the lie. I am choose to ignore what is true. And I know your enemy wants to blind you from seeing and knowing what is true because the Bible teaches us that. We read this. It says, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Now, right away, that scripture divides all of us into two groups. Those who have eternal life and those, on the other hand, who are perishing. And why do people perish? Why, do they, or why are they lost forever? We read on the verse. It's because Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to what? See the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And what happens is possible that you can know about Jesus, but be blinded to the truth, the good news, and the message about his glory. And isn't that you just know about him, but that you believe and follow him where the difference is made. Down a couple of houses from where I grew up in On Sound was a little guy maybe three years old, named Stevie Wilson. And Stevie used to come up and visit us quite often. And uh, Stevie went through this season, that every kid goes through, we ask the question, why? Everything goes like, why? Why? Kind of annoying. And that one day, I think maybe I was about 10 years old, nine years old, I remember vacuuming the living room carpet in our home, and Stevie shows up, goes, why are you vacuuming the carpet? Because the carpet is dirty, Stevie. Why? Because Stevie, people come into the living room with muddy shoes and drop crumbs onto the carpet. Why? Because Stevie, they're slobs. Why? Because Stevie, they don't care. Why? Because they're self-centered, careless people. I don't know Stevie, I'm not sure why. But if Stevie Wilson were alive today and you heard Jesus say to him, abide in me, he would say, why? And Jesus would tell him this. I told you these things. Everything we're going to hear about in John 15 in the next six weeks. So that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And that's where we're beginning. Why abide in Jesus so that his joy can become my joy which will overflow." See, all of us are looking for that. We're all on this in the same pursuit. We're looking for joy. We have this in common. But what can vary among people is where they choose to find it. Where do you think joy will be found? Uh, people are not always finding it in Jesus. They're blinded to that truth. So they, they're looking for it in dating sites looking for joy in bottles in the financial world in shopping outlets they try to download it gamble it eat it visit it and they find any any little measure of joy in any of those things they find it what they come to understand is this it's just for a moment and it dissipates it doesn't last it is so temporary and they have to go find it again lasting joy The joy which overflows isn't something you can buy. Lasting, sustaining joy cannot be found in something that is created, but is only found in the creator. And the Bible testifies this truth about Jesus. It says, Jesus, through him, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on the earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Your joy, real joy, is a natural byproduct of abiding in Jesus. It's not a half-cup full joy. It's not a temporary joy. Jesus said, you will be filled, filled with my joy, and your joy will overflow. So when we confess to ourselves, I do not possess this kind of joy in my life, which Jesus speaks of, You've got to ask yourself this question, why? I mean, if Jesus, the Son of God, promises me I can have this kind of joy, and I don't, either he's lying to me or I'm missing something. I can tell you, Jesus is not lying to you. The truth is, abiding in Jesus means his joy can be my joy. Abiding, if I had to give a definition. There's, there could be many, but I'll just use this one. Abiding in Christ means allowing His Word to fill my, my, our minds, direct our wills, and transform my affections. Abiding in Christ means I take the Word of God and let it fill my mind. I'm renewed by my, I'm, the renewal begins in my mind. I take in the words of the Lord, the truth of the Lord. And then it directs my will, my actions and it transformed what I care about, my affections. This is where joy begins. Abiding in Christ is not for, you know, uh, a special level of Christian experience, not just for those supernatural Christians. Rather, it is the position for all believers. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you, say, this is beyond you, this is not for you. That may be for some, but not you. That's a lie. The truth is, These words are for you. Jesus tells those who want to follow him that drawing life from him is essential. Abiding in him is just not like an option. I think I want some of that. It is essential. You're going to live. It's essential if you're going to live this Christian life. If you're going to know Jesus today and forever and eternity, you must abide. To help us understand that truth, Jesus uses this picture of the branches and the vine. He says, abide in me and I in you. And then he says, what this looks like. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless you abide in the vine, me, neither can you unless you abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And when you abide in Jesus, his joy Becomes your joy. It's a natural byproduct. But to receive that from him, you must be connected. You must abide. You must take in his word. Let it change you. Renew your mind and and your will and your affections. Jesus says, I told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, you notice here that Jesus did not say, you will always be happy in this world. Happiness is different than joy. Happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what is produced in you. Happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what is produced in you. Happiness largely seems to be dependent upon the circumstances in our life. If you've lived long enough to understand the words that I'm saying, then you probably already know this, that life circumstances are not always good. Sin has not only affected our life, it's affected the world we live in. This is why we will often refer to this place as a broken world. God did not create the world where there is natural disasters, sickness, and death. It's broken. Sin has broken it. These things came with sin. Sin. And in a broken world, the circumstances of life are that like of a roller coaster, right? They are constantly changing from up and down. We rise and we fall. And as our circumstances rise and fall are good and bad, so does our level of happiness because we're connecting them to what's happening to us. And somehow then happiness seems to evade us. Oh, there's good times, but then, oh, there's those valleys. Jesus wants us to have something deeper and more sustainable than ha- happiness, which is dependent upon circumstances. He wants us to have his joy, he says. His joy is not dependent upon what is happening around you, but what's happening in you. I can take a vine and put it in the greatest of circumstances. Here's the sun, here's the water, here's earth, here vine, And it will not produce any fruit because it's not connected, or sorry, the branch. The branch will not produce any fruit because it's not connected to the vine. The vine gives us all the nutrients that it needs to thrive and live and produce fruit. It's not enough. I just put it in the right circumstances. The branch has to be connected to the vine. Uh, Recently, I was mentioning I do watch Um, some YouTube or television streaming shows of of people. And uh, recently, not the one I was referring to earlier, but recently I've watched on YouTube and a streaming service, a couple of people, and I've come to admire them for their attitude. I, I really sense there's something about them which is attractive. And they're not actors. They're just real people like you and I who work hard at they have a good work ethic. They're passionate about what they do, and they've gained some success by doing it. But what speaks loudest to me about these people is that they have this joy, this enthusiasm, which is like, wow, that's different than what I see other places. They have trials, they, they, they share setbacks, they, they, they know stress, but more than that, they have this joy. And so I really knew nothing about these people, so I thought, I'm just going to search and for more information about, about them and who they are and, and what's their story. And so I found an interview with one of them this week, and they're asked the question, <clears throat> the interview is asking them, your energy and smile add to the videos. How do you have such great enthusiasm? Because everybody notices that. Their answer was this. Firstly, I'm a Christian, so I have the joy of Jesus Christ in my heart. It didn't surprise me; I, said, I should have knew that. I could see it. Secondly, I think looking at things through a positive lens not only helps my day go better, it helps those around me. One thing I can always one thing I can always control is my attitude, so that I might as well make it positive and uplifting. That's a 21-year-old person. The second person was asked to share, what, what, if there's 10 facts we need to know about you, what would those 10 facts be? Number one, you got to know this. I love God. He has blessed me with so much, in capital letters, so much. My Christian beliefs ground me and keeps me focused on what really matters in life. And again, I said, that makes sense. That makes sense. He went on to say that I'm naturally a positive person. Negativity drains me. What dwells on why I, I dwell on things? I why I dwell on things I can't control? And it's just like, yeah, of course, Jesus lives in them. His joy is their joy, and it shows. Their joy is not the mercy of circumstances. In fact, you will discover joy even in the midst of trials and sufferings in your life. It doesn't sound like it makes sense, but you will. Even when you're facing trouble, you will know joy. Because unlike circumstances which rise and fall, Jesus, he's, he's steady, he's faithful. So, in your notes, know, happiness is insecure, joy is confident. when circumstances are bad and they are bad sometimes. We can be confident knowing God is still good. The psalmist says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. His goodness and his love for you is not dependent upon circumstances. Circumstances may want to threaten you saying, there's no hope, no hope here. God would step in and say, that's wrong, don't believe that lie. With me, there is always hope. Circumstances may want to leave you feeling vulnerable and insecure, but God is our refuge. A couple of weeks ago in prayer start, we heard about the, 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 the how God is our strong tower. We can run into it. We can find protection, strength, visibility, direction from him. Bible says the Lord is a good, strong refuge. When trouble comes, when it comes, not if it comes, because it will come. We live in a broken world. When it comes, he is close to those who trust in him. No one or nothing can offer you that kind of, that kind of confidence and refuge but our God. When circumstances cause us to become weak and they do that, we can find the joy, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't be dejected and sad, it says in the Bible, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Who would have thought, even in the weakness, when troubles come, I can be strong because my joy is not dependent upon weakness and circumstances, it's dependent upon the strength of God. Abiding in Jesus means his joy can be my joy. If you would abide in Jesus, allow His joy to make you be complete in you, even when circumstances are far from favorable, you can know to experience joy. I've shared with you before. I read Henry Blackaby uh, for my devotions in the morning. I don't remember where I read this, but he said this at one time. Jesus prayed that you would have the same joy that the Father had given Him—a divine joy. A joy that comes from a deepening, unwavering relationship with the Father. There's a joy that is grounded so firmly in a relationship with God that no change in what? Circumstances could ever shake. it. Can you know that? You can have a joy so grounded firmly in the strength of the Lord in this relationship of abiding with Him that even when circumstances change, it does not shake you. This is the kind of joy Christ is praying will be in you. And I believe you want that, and you need that. Throughout the Bible, we come across, the Bible is so true and honest, and it, and it lets us on it, tell, it talks about the, you know, the worst of circumstances that one can face. But in those circumstances, there's always this promise: God says, "I'll be with you. I will sustain you." And Isaiah, you know this one, I love it, it says, "When you go through deep waters, I will be with you." When you go through rivers of difficulty, anybody ever had experience difficulty? You will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. We know Psalm 23, I think it's verse 4, says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the lowest of that roller coaster, where it's dark and lonely, I will not fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Even there, your rod and staff to comfort me. Now, when my son-in-law preached this message at camp this summer, I've heard him refer to this before, he reminds us how even when those dark valley moments come, when those river of difficulties, we find ourselves walking in them, that we need to remember the five words that God gives us in each one of these passages. Five words. For you are with me. Even the darkest valleys, Jesus, God says, I'll be there. For you are with me. Jesus makes us, uh, the same, we find the same promise in, in, in Isaiah, when uh, he talks, or in the, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, I'll be with you, I'll be with you, for you are with me. Same five words. And when, even when Jesus in the Great Commission says, I want to give you this direction, I want to give you this commission, but understand this, the very last thing he says is, I am with you always. And you might say, you know, I I kind of struggle with memorizing Scripture. And and if you do, then I would say start here with the five words. Jesus says, I am with you always. I remember that. I am with you always. No matter what's happening, Jesus is with me. Or God says, when you go through rivers, deep waters, and rivers of difficulty, I will be with you. I will be with you or the darkest of valleys, for you are with me. I'm not going to fear. Why? For you are with me. For you are. Yes, five words. I can memorize that. I can count on that. I can walk wherever I go, and I sometimes feel myself doing this now. When trials come, you can know these truths. Understand clearly this morning God does not promise to remove you from difficult circumstances. They are going to come. I'm not going to try to come up here and say, become a Christian, you'll never have problems. But he unequivocally promises to be with you and see you through them. No one else can give that promise and fulfill it. And because he is with you, you can have joy, even when circumstances are threatening you, because joy is not the absence of problems, but the presence of God. And God's not shakable. So when circumstances are shakable, and and that's what you're tending your happiness on, you're going to be shakable. You're going to be up and down like a yo-yo. But when you you find the joy that God produces in you that comes from promise that if you abide in me and I abide in you, you, my joy will be your joy. You will not be shaken. God is bigger than my problems. One of the most deepest theological statements I ever heard was given by a young man. His name was Junior Asparagus. And if you had kids, when I had kids, you probably were a fan of VeggieTales. And I liked Larry Boy. He was my favorite. But it was Junior Asparagus, Asparagus who made this profound statement. God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the boogeyman. This is how I'll say it to you. God always has a plan to rescue you. Always has a plan to rescue you. The worst thing this world can do to me is kill me. One day it will. Because there's sickness in this world, because of sin, because there's accidents. One day it will. But you know what's going to happen? God's going to rescue me in that moment and take me to live with him. That plan is called heaven. And I can tell you, there's no one in heaven complaining about that that plan right now. So when trouble comes, and it does, like the psalmist, I ask myself, why am I discouraged? And like, have I forgotten? Why am I so sad? Or do I forget? I will put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. So I want to know, is he your Savior today? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again and again. Is that slide up there? Do we have that one? Did I forget that one? Number 26. Maybe I forgot it. Did I forget it? Did I make a mistake? Yet I'm not unshakable. My joy is still there. Abiding in Jesus means his joy can be your joy. Now this is what I want to close with today. It's in your notes. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Know yourself. So this is the questions I want you to ponder. We're gonna close in prayer in a moment. I want you to ask yourself these questions or take your sermon notes home with you, get alone. Happiness is not what happens to you, joy is what is produced in you. Do you tend to focus on your circumstances? Are you allowing that to be the controller and the author of your um who like what happens to you? What do you find yourself often putting in this fill in the blank? I'd be happy if occurs. If this happens then I'll be happy. And secondly, happiness is insecure, joy is confident. Do you find it easy to be filled with joy? Why and why not? Do you feel anchored in your faith or do you feel adrift? Here's a question. What do you need to surrender to God? Because you probably know. I I mean, there's this thing between you and I, God, that I don't want to give up, and you're telling me about it, you're speaking to me about it, and I really like it, and I kind of will do like 90 things, but these last, this last 99 things, this last thing, I just didn't want to give up. And I want to ask you, would you be willing to surrender God, that to God, and trust him? Trust him. Abide in him. Let him abide in you. Do you believe that God loves you? that he's consistent, that he fulfills the promises we've heard today and many more. Do you believe that? Not just knowing about it, do you believe that? Let's stand as we close in prayer. <clears throat> and um, I want to pray with you. And Frank, you can put that $50 in the offering box. That's what I was going to do with it. I can't be selfish to take it for myself, but we'll do that. But I want to pray for all of us, and I want to pray specifically for those today who would say, I so much want the joy of Christ to abide in me. I want his joy to be my joy, and you know it. And what I'm going to ask you to do is very bold, but amazing. I'm going to ask you just to come to the front. I'm going to pray for everybody, but I'm going to pray specifically for you because you're willing to admit and be honest. I hear Jesus' words, and I do not want to be blinded to them. And I want to be prayed for today specifically that I will follow. So just take a moment. If you would come forward. I know that's a big ask. It's not really. It's like, what, 30 steps. Come step forward, and we'll pray together. Just If you feel like the joy is not there that Jesus promises and to examine yourself, to say, God, I want that. I want your joy to be my joy and point out any reason why that's not there. Just, Just that hunger, that need for that today. So, Father, thank you for your truth and your truth does set us free. I'll be the first one to confess that I put myself in prisons because of sin, because ignoring your truth, and it's not a great place to live. I would confess to you today, Lord, that I've allowed circumstances to determine my level of happiness instead of depending on your joy, which does not change. The world can influence me, but it does not define me. Your joy, your strength, your power defines me today. And Lord, we just want to respond to you, saying, "I trust you. I want to know you. I want your word to fill me. I want it to transform me, that I would have joy. That even though stresses will come, and they do come, even though I experience those darkest valley moments, and I and I know they're there, I, I get them, but still, there's this joy that is unsha- not unshakable. Does not." Dependent upon my circumstances, but upon you, God. And I want that. I pray for those today who are honest and bold enough to come forward saying, God, I want that. I need that. I'm looking for that. God, I understand that. I understand that. I think all of us would understand that today. And I pray, God, as we go and just hear from you, spend time with you. Set aside other things, God, that we would spend that time abiding you and praying to you and listening to you and reading your word to fill our mind, that we would receive that unshakable joy in a very shakable world. I pray this today in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.